my name is John Musgrave, and we're going to be looking in this session at connecting vision to a strategic plan. Connecting vision to a strategic plan. And, uh, um, I use an illustration that if you've uh, been at any of our other meetings, i.e. leadership tour, whatever you've heard me use before, uh, but it brings home my point so well that I'm going to open with it again. And uh, so, still wait. Somebody else coming? Okay. So I will wait. I will wait. Still a couple more? Lost? I can do that. Now, I use an illustration to uh, kind of uh, kind of demonstrate or to give you a picture of what this session really is all about. And uh, um, I have a brother who is 10 years my senior. And, uh, and uh, when he was leaving high school, he went into the Air Force. And uh, I, of course, was at home, eight years old. And uh, I remember the first time he came back on leave, uh, he asked if I would like to go bowling. And... Uh, I thought, man, it's great. You know, I'd love to do that. You know, never bowled my life, you know, and so forth. And he was kind enough to take me and so forth. So that was, you know, it was fun, you know. And so we went. And, uh, you know, uh, as I was trying to put that ball down toward the pins, uh, needless to say, it was gutter ball, gutter ball, gutter ball, gutter ball, just progressively, probably seven, eight, nine times in a row. And uh, my brother, the whole time I was there on, on the, the lanes throwing the ball, he was sitting back there on those little benches watching as I did that. And uh, after about seven or eight attempts, you know, he came up and he said, hey, John, he said, uh, uh, he said, I think I can help you out so you might be able to hit some of the pins, you know. And I said, that'd be great, you know. And uh, he said, did you notice those arrows there on the lane? And I, I had not seen those arrows you know, I did not, you know, I, didn't, they were, I was oblivious to those arrows. And uh, he said, John, he said, when you're throwing your ball, he said, I think if you aim at that third end arrow, not the one in the middle, one just right beside that to the left, aim at that arrow, he said, I think you'll, you'll hit more pins. And uh, so, and he said, did you notice these dots here on the floor? And I did not know there were any dots on the floor. Again, I was just aiming at the pins, you know. And he said, you know, John, he said, if you come over here and put your left foot on this second dot, and if you aim at that third arrow, he says, I'm pretty sure that you'll knock down some pins. And sure enough, you know, I, a little eight-year-old kid here, you know, I'm taking that ball, and I put my, planted my foot on that little dot, and I just stared at that arrow. I wasn't going to take my eyes off that arrow. And I threw that ball, and sure enough, I hit that arrow, and it went on down the lane, and, and I knocked down six, seven pins that first time that I did that, you know. And progressively, you know, we finished the frame and so the game and so forth. And uh, to me, that's a great illustration of church and vision and mission and strategy and so forth. I think many of us, we are so focused on the pins We're so focused on the pins that we're, we're, we're lost. We're, we just don't know what to do. We're, we're just there, you know. And, and I would suggest to you what we're going to try to do today is to help us to see that in each one of our scenarios, there probably is a dot on the floor that, that if you would place your foot there, 
And if you would move your target a little closer, by that I mean taking shorter steps, still in line with your vision, still in line with your mission, but aiming at that target, the arrow, if you hit that arrow, there's a good chance you're also going to hit your vision. Because many times we're aiming at our vision down there, and that seems so far away. That, that just seems so far out there that we find ourselves gutter ball, gutter ball, gutter ball, gutter ball. And many times we walk away from our vision because we're frustrated at what we perceive as lack of movement, lack of success. And if we could just use that little bowling illustration, move some of our targets a little bit closer, a little more manageable. Hitting those manageable targets will allow us then to possibly hit the vision. In fact, I I know it will allow us to hit the vision. So I plant that illustration in your mind. There are many others for it. But I would suggest to you that the vision or mission, and those words are used interchangeably depending on who you read. For some, vision is the big goal, and mission is the steps toward the goal. And for some, mission is the big goal, and vision is the small steps toward the goal. So for my purposes today, we're just going to call vision and mission that big goal out there, that that big target out there. And it does provide direction. It provides clarity. It provides inspiration and also gives some alignment to allow us to know what we're aiming at. And I would suggest that the absence of clear vision leads to a lack of direction, a lack of unity, a lack of motivation, and a lack of alignment. And I would suggest that most churches would say that the vision resides with the pastor. And I would disagree with that. The reason I disagree with that If every time you change pastors, your vision changes, there's a challenge there. Particularly if you're in a church where the pastor changes every five or six years. There's no longevity. I believe vision can be more biblically based and can endure pastoral transitions. I believe that vision can be more biblically based and endure, uh, you know, uh, pastoral transitions. But could I suggest to you that every church in many ways fulfills a very similar vision? Every church in many ways fulfills a very similar vision. Uh, We use phrases like love God, love others, love the community. Okay, what's that mean? We want to be a church that's focused toward worshiping God. Our relationship with God's important. That's important, that's good. Our relationship with other people in the church, we love people. That's good, we want to connect, fellowship with other people, that's good. And we want to love our community, we want to reach our Jerusalem. Those are all good things. And many churches will will talk about them in different forms and fashion, but at the crux... Many times we're, we're trying to accomplish the same things. The challenge is how that vision plays out in your location. How that vision plays out in your location. Your Jerusalem is different than my Jerusalem. 
your community is different than my community. And I would suggest to you many times we try to transfer methodologies that did work in another location, in another community, but they're not designed to work in our location, in our community. So we, we really need to, and again, you, you can agree or disagree, uh, I, I'm just giving you my thoughts on this, but uh, I, I think we've tried many times to transfer things from other communities, other churches, into our church and our community, and it was a great success somewhere else, and we wonder, how come that's not working here? Well, you know, the Jerusalem church and the Antioch church were two different churches. And we need to understand that. You know, if you're in an urban community, it's going to look a little different. If you're in a suburban community, it's going to look a little different. If you're in a rural community, it's going to look a little different. Is the vision any different? No, but the steps to get to that vision are probably going to look a little bit differently. And I would suggest to you that that we need to have a clear vision. We need to have a clear mission, a clear direction. But in some ways, it, it will look similar to other churches. Okay? I would suggest, too, that vision will not only tell you what you're going to do, it will tell you what you're not going to do. Does it fit our vision? If it does, great. If it doesn't, why are we doing it? Well, you know, you know what? The church across town's doing it? Guy's blog you read is doing it? Does it fit our vision? Is it what we want to do? And does it fit our culture? And uh, I would suggest to you that uh, we as leaders, we as leaders need to be able to take our vision and break it down into smaller steps. And that's what I call a strategic plan. A strategic plan. Uh, you know, I, I love GPS. I, I, it's made me a very lazy traveler. You know, the idea that I know where I'm going anymore really does not apply. I just listen to the voices. <laughs> My wife will call and say, hey, where are you at? I don't know. But I'm like 12 miles from where I'm supposed to be. You know, I just listen to the voices. And, uh, you know, all of us have had those voices tell us, reroute, reroute. You know, uh, wrong direction, U-turn, whatever, you know. But could I suggest to you that I'm tempted at times to just click on that overview button and just kind of get a picture of what it's supposed to look like. You know, okay, I'm going and so forth. And then I go back to the regular GPS situation. And what I'm saying to you today is that we might know that we want to love God. But what's that look like in the small steps? How are we doing that? How are we leading our people to do that? We're just going to love God. Great. I love God. You love God. Let's all love God. We're going to love people. Okay, that's that's great. What's that going to look like on a Sunday morning? What's that going to look like as people are coming through your door for the first time and they don't even know that you want to love them. What's that going to look like in those steps? We want to reach our Jerusalem. What's that going to look like? What are the tangible steps you're going to take 
to make that happen. See, I live with the conviction that I can have all the vision I want out there. But unless I can put that into some kind of practical steps, it's going to remain out there. Unless I can bring those pins closer with those arrows and with those dots, I'm going to be talking about that vision like it's still out there a long ways. I've got to be able to bring that closer. Now, that's just me. I believe that's crucially important for the people we're trying to lead. It's crucially important that the people we're trying to lead can see the steps that are going to get us there. Because if all we, and we need to talk about vision, we need to proclaim vision, we need to expire them with vision, but if that's all we're talking about, we're going to reach, G, we're going to reach Gerard for Jesus, we're going to reach Youngstown, we're going to reach Alliance, we're going to reach whatever. Okay, how, Pastor? What are we going to do? We're just going to reach them for Jesus. I think you can see that disconnect. It's like, oh, okay. I used an illustration in my earlier session, and I'll use it again here because it gives me a point. If I went to a gym and I told them that I would like to be reduced from the 228 pounds that I am to about 190, and I'd like to do that in the next six months, I've got a feeling that the person at the gym would probably say to me, you need to talk to our dietitian first. Okay? Because your eating habits are going to have to change. Okay? And they're probably going to tell me something like this. You, you're probably taking in about 2,500 calories a day right now, aren't you? Eh, give or take a few, depending on the day. If you want to lose that much weight in that much time, you're going to have to reduce your calorie intake to about 1,400 calories a day. <laughs> Gary's smiling at me. <laughs> He's heard this speech. No, no not really. His doctor's told him this. You know? but, uh, and, and with that, with that, you're going to have to do these exercises. So here's your diet for the next X number of months. And then I'm going to send you back to your trainer, your coach, and he's going to tell you what exercise you need to do. And he's going to take me around that little room and you need to be on this machine for about 15, 20 minutes and you need to be on this machine for another 15. You need to X number of reps on. And what, what's he doing? I've got a vision out there that I want to lose X number of pounds. And that's a great vision. But what's he doing? He's putting steps in place that allow me to get there. That allow me to get there. And I would suggest to you that is a strategic plan. That is a strategic plan, is putting steps in place. For me, the vision's not the hard part. Now that very, we have visionaries in the room. Man, vision's always there. Man, oh man, we're going That's not hard for me. For me, the management of the vision is the hard part. Putting the steps in place that allow me to get there. Okay? Now, I don't know where you're at in your church, but what would... What would the arrows look like in your church? If you were able to move the pins, forget the pins for a minute, and still be in the same lane, hey, that's our vision, but what would an arrow look like? What would be a step that would allow me, if I aimed at that arrow, then I'm probably going to hit that vision of a pin. What would a dot look like in your situation? What step 
would it look like if, if you were there? Now, let's just for a moment, uh, spring training started uh, a couple weeks ago. The pitchers, the catchers reported, then the other players reported. They're getting ready for it and so forth. I played a little bit of ball when I was a kid, you know, and, and there were times that I would hit the ball and it would go to the fence and I would just dash off to third because it, I knew it was a triple. So why waste my time going to first and second? Right? I mean, the outfitter's still chasing the ball down. When I, you know, I, there's no need to go to, to... Why do that? No. You're all laughing, but you, you, you have to go to first before you go to second, and then you go to third. It's steps. And I would suggest to you that there are those, again, in this room, that you're wanting to hit pins, but I would suggest that there's some steps that will allow you to get there. Okay? In just a moment, I'm going to break down something in regards to growth, church growth. But I just want to get this in your, in your mind. To cast vision effectively, it needs to be captured. It needs to be captured. It needs to be captured. It must be effectively communicated to the leaders and the congregation. And I would suggest the leadership needs to capture it before your congregation's going to capture it. Your leadership's going to capture it. And by capture it, I mean it's resonating with them. It's, it's really beginning, they're beginning to talk like you're talking, but they're using some of the same phraseology, the same terminology and so forth. And, and trust me, um, if, if you are getting ready to launch vision or tweak vision a little bit, massage vision a little bit, you may be in meetings or in sessions with your leadership for several months before you get the sense that they're capturing your vision. Capturing your vision. And that, that's frustrating. That's challenging because you're feeling it. Man, you want to go. You're, God's been birthing this in your heart for a long time. And, man, we're ready for this. And they're like, okay, pastor, we'll pray about that. And you're like, man, I want to pray about it. Let's do it. Okay, well then the same thing being, once the leadership captures it, you're going to have that same cultivation of vision within the congregation. Within the congregation. Let's bring that back to a practical place. Uh, you know, I've been on a worship team for uh, many years of my life, and I will tell a worship team, you know, when we're tired of this song, the congregation will just begin to respond to this song. The worship team, do we have to do this again? And I'm sick of this song. But you look out at the congregation, and they're just beginning to respond to that song. It's beginning to get in them a little bit, and they're no longer just looking at the screen trying to figure out what the words are. It's beginning to get in their heart and their spirit, and they're beginning to worship the way you've wanted them to worship. And I would suggest to you that it's the same with vision. It's the same with vision. Many times, if we're ready to move on to something else, we're ready to go towards some other, you know, even another direction or another focus of vision, and we've not allowed it to really capture the hearts of our leaders or of our congregation. Okay, so I would just want to say that vision needs to be captured, 
and it needs to be communicated often. Uh, I was in a session uh, about a month ago, and a pastor was sharing much like I'm sharing right now, and he had been at the church a short time, and one of the people from his congregation was in the classroom, and the person in the classroom just said, you know, uh, he made the comment as his pastor was teaching, he said, Pastor, when you first came to our church, I noticed it took you several months to begin to articulate your vision, what you thought God was going to do, but you've communicated it almost every week since then in some form or fashion. In some form or fashion, Pastor, you've kept that vision in front of us. And what I'm saying is we need to be able to do that with the vision, with the vision. And I would suggest to you that you're going to lead your vision on probably three levels. You're going to lead your vision with individuals, with your leadership team, and with your congregation. Okay, individually, you're going to have people come up in the hallway or in a classroom setting or before or after service or at coffee Thursday morning at Mickey D's and they're going to quiz you a little bit about vision. And so, so you've got to be able to massage that vision in those individual. Pastor, why are we doing this? Well, what's this all about anyway? And again, you, you want to be able to package it. You want to be able to proclaim But you need to be able to, in those individual conversations, continue to massage vision. And then in your leadership, you're going to be massaging that vision in your leadership meetings and so forth. And then always with your congregation, we need to communicate vision. I would suggest to you many pastors get derailed by the urgent and they're unable to maintain the strategic. Anyone that's pastored and been in leadership very long, we do have to put out fires. It's part of it. There's challenges. There's problems. But if all we do is run from fire to fire, we're no longer being able to be that strategic visionary moving the church forward. And I believe if the enemy cannot get us to sin, he will simply distract us. If he can't get us to sin, he'll distract us. And trust me, there's enough in the church world to keep us distracted. And there's sometimes we've got to say, you know, I'm not going to allow that to distract me. I'm going to stay. That person may need minister to, that situation may, may be tended to, but hey, I'm going to have somebody else deal with that. You know, I'm going to have a board member. I'm going to have another person take care of that because I've got to stay strategic and I've got to be able to keep my mind on the vision. And if we're always putting out fires... We lead from a reactionary position instead of an intentional position. So we need to be careful of that. Now, I just want to just challenge you for a moment. We, we need to narrow our focus. We don't take our eyes off the vision, but we've got to, okay, what step can I take? What steps can I take to move us toward our vision? What steps can I take to move us toward our vision? How can I break down whatever my vision is into systemic steps so that they become part of the plan to accomplish that vision within our church, within our church. Should I suggest to you that the process needs to be uncomplicated, it needs to be something that is, can be clear and straightforward. The simpler it can be, the better. Simpler it can be, the better. Don't, don't want to get it too complicated. I uh, uh, heard a gentleman one time, and uh, I'm not saying I always uh, would agree with this totally, but you know, he said, you've got a growing church, you need a nursery worker. 
and you know, you, you put together a 20-page manual so that person can watch one other baby in the nursery. And you hand them the manual, and it's like, man, this, this is complicated. I don't know if I want to do this or not, you know. And uh, I have two children, both now grown, and there were times that my son, two years older than my daughter, you know, we would say to David, hey, David, can you watch your sister for five minutes while I go to the bathroom? Yeah, I can do that. Okay? And sometimes we need to break this down into simpler. I understand legalities. I understand litigation and all that. But, but sometimes we make things so complicated, it's like, oh, man, we got to do all that? And, and I'm just saying, when we're thinking about these steps... Try to think in terms of, of simple steps that can actually move people in a common direction. My brother, that day, when I was eight years old, he could have told me how to hold the ball. He could have told me how to put spin on the ball. He could have told me how to, you know, hey, you want to get the split, John? You know, and all this stuff. He could have done it because he, he could have done it. But he knew right then all I needed to know was two things. See the arrow? Aim for the arrow. See the spot, stand on the spot. That's all I needed to know. Okay? And as an eight-year-old, I was thrilled. Because now I'm not hitting the gutter anymore. I'm knocking down a few pins. Now, I've never bowled a perfect game. But that day, I was a happy camper. And could I suggest to you, I think sometimes we, we complicate it so much that all of a sudden people are, man, I, I appreciate your vision, Pastor. I appreciate what you're trying to do, but... I didn't think it was going to be all this. And all I'm saying is, make it simple. Make it manageable so they can get their head around those steps. It needs to be uncomplicated, clear, straightforward. It should be easy. The steps should be obvious. And the steps should be strategic. Even as you're thinking about that easy, that obvious step, ask yourself the question. If we do this, this, and this, will it get us there. It's not a hard question. But if I do A, B, and C, by and large, will it get me to D? Will it get me there? And even yourself, you know, I don't think that's the best next step. Be able to say that. Say, and even have a group around you. Do you think that's the best next step to get us there? Ask yourself that question. And uh, I just want you to imagine for a moment, okay? And... Uh, just, just for a second, I want you to imagine that your church is averaging 65 on Sunday morning. Okay? Now that may pertain to none of you in this room. It may pertain to many of you in this room. Imagine for a moment that your church is averaging 65 on Sunday morning. Your vision is, we want to reach our community for Jesus. Got it on banners, on posters. You've got it plastered everywhere. We're going to reach our community for Jesus. But in the last three years, you've not grown one person. Now, I would suggest that you're not fulfilling your vision. That's just a suggestion. Just a suggestion. But if you're at 65 and you've been at 65 for three years, but your vision is we're going to reach our community for Jesus and you've not reached one additional person in three years, I would suggest you're not reaching your vision. Okay? So now I've got to ask myself, why? How come? People know we want to reach our community for Jesus. I mention it all the time. You know, I've got signs that have our vision statement on it, value statement. Oh, man, they know what we want to do. We want to reach our community for Jesus. I wonder why we're not reaching our community for Jesus. 
I would suggest that if you're sustained at 65, you probably are growing some. Because the average church, by attrition, loses about 5% every year. Okay? So if you're staying at 65, well, you're probably growing at the rate of your attrition. Okay? 65 attrition is 3.25 people a year. Okay? So you're probably doing it. But let's say, let's, 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 let's make the step that instead of reaching our community for Jesus... We want to grow by 10% this year. What is 10% of 65? 6.5. I'll let Bill be the half person, okay? (laughs) 6.5. Now, granted again, okay, 6.5, but if you're the normal church, you're going to have an attrition rate of 5%. Okay? So you're going to have to grow almost 10 to gain six and a half. Okay? Okay, that step's a little closer, isn't it? Okay? Now I've got to ask myself the question, how many guests do I have in a given year? Let's imagine that you have a guest every Sunday. You have 52 guests a year. Okay? The average church keeps about 10% of their guests. Okay, so if I keep 10% of 52, I'm halfway there. That's 5.2. But at the same time, I'm thinking, that's not good enough. It's not enough that I keep 10. So then I've got to ask myself, what steps do I need to put in place that allow me to retain more of my guests? Maybe I've got a real crabby greeter at the door. And I know that, I mean, if you have people say, man, is that the happiest person you've got in this church? Because, you know, man, if it is, we're in trouble. You know, I mean, here's a bulletin. Why'd you come today? You know, I mean, you know, I mean you know, I'm, I'm, I've been to a couple of churches that are like that. It's like, boy, if this is the best they got, we're in trouble here, you know. But no, you start asking yourself, again, we want to reach our community for Jesus. But we brought that step a little closer. We'd like to grow by 10%. Okay, that's a more tangible step. Okay, right now we're having about 52 guests a year, and we're keeping about 10%. So we're covering our attrition, but we're not doing any more. So I've got to really look at that step and say, how can I keep more of the guests? What do I need to put in that piece? Okay, uh, you know, how many guests come back the second time? How many guests come back the third time? How do I follow up on the guests that we're having? Uh, uh, do I communicate with them? Do I send them a card? Do I give them a call? Do I stalk them on Facebook? You know, whatever it might be, you know, how do they know that, man, I'm so glad to have you with us this Sunday. You know, how quickly am I trying to get together with that guest? You know, uh, do I have anything that would be called like a guest reception or a guest connection that would allow that guest to maybe get to know the pastor or a key leader more quickly? What, what do I have in place? And again, the step is we're keeping 10% of our guests, but how can I keep 15% of our guests? How can I keep 18% of our guests? Okay? So... I need to look at that step. And then, let's say that I'm able to look at that step and get a little closer. Then then I need to move it a little closer and say, okay, how can I increase guests? 
Am I happy with one guest a week? Wouldn't it be great if we had two or three guests a week? And what do I need to do PR-wise or outreach-wise or whatever to increase the number? And what am I trying to do? I'm trying to bring those pins, i.e. wanting to touch the community for Jesus, closer to some manageable steps. That means I'm supposed to be done, but... Uh, I allow more time for questions at the end than I'm supposed to, but I do that on purpose. But uh, I'm bringing those steps, and and then I get to the point, maybe I want more guests. And then I might go back up here and add some more steps and say, hey, right now, one guest a week. Man, we've got a community of 100,000 people, and we've only got one guest a week. I mean, that, that's, people must not know we're here. You know, they must not know we. So what do I do in that regard? So I, maybe I increase the guests to a, a two a week. So now I've got 104, and immediately, if I keep 10% of 104, I've already got my 10%, you know, to to grow to that 10% number and so forth. But then each one of those steps, I then have to put these steps in place. Then I've got to ask, okay, what personnel do I need to pull that step off? What personnel do I need? Okay, let's go back to the guest, okay? What's my hospitality team look like? I mean, are they hospitable or are they not hospitable? You know, how's my signage in my building? You know, how's my first impressions? I think there's a, a class, this synergy on first, what's my first impressions look like? Do people walk into your foyer and see it looking like a custodial closet with the mops and the vacuums and so forth? Just, you know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, what's it look like? You know, and what I do for our building, I, I ask the question, what are the spaces that guests are going to see? What are the spaces that guests are going to see? I have some spaces that, as a rule, the guest is not going to see. Okay? It's kind of like my house. You know, there's some spaces guests are going to see, and there's other spaces that guests probably are not going to see. Okay? So, if you were a guest, you were walking through your building, what's it going to look like, hospitality-wise, greeter-wise, information-wise, appearance-wise? Is that going to be a pleasant experience for them? Okay? And then from that, how do I get their information? How do I get their data? How can I follow up on a face? If I don't get a name, if I don't get an address, if I don't get a phone number, if I don't get some, how do I do it? So then I have to ask that, what's that step look like? How do I improve that step? And oh, you know, we had 10 visitors the last three months and I only got information on one of them. Well, I, I think you might want to ask yourself why that is. You're never going to get the information on all of them, but can you up your game a little bit? Can you up your game a little bit? And how can you do that? I mean, how does the guest know that you want them to fill out an information card? How does the guest know that you even care about their information? And how do you word that so that you really want to minister to them and not just contact information so you can give them a free uh, price on Windows? Come fill out the thing and we're giving away a price for $100, but we want you to buy $20,000 with the siding. We don't want it to look like that. It's got to be a genuine sense. We love you. We care about you. But for us to minister effectively to any of our people, we need to have some information. And then once you get, how do you follow up on that? What's that? And all I'm saying, I'm just using one illustration. You, 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 you could put, uh, we want to reach our community for Jesus. You could put outreach in that thing. Well, how are you doing that? What's that look like? Well, you know, we pray for our community every Sunday night during prayer meeting. Well, that's great. 
But what are you doing outreach-wise? And all the, are those outreaches connected? Are they just random things that you're doing that have no connection to them? And what are the steps that allow those outreaches to funnel people at least somewhat into your church, into your ministries? Uh, again, strategic needs to be thought out through whatever vision you're talking about. We want to love God. Okay, that's great. What's that look like? What steps are you taking to move people into a loving relationship with God? So all I'm saying is that if, if you're the person that's overseeing vision, it's one thing to talk about the pins. But what practical steps can you put into place that would allow the pins to become more like the arrows? Allow the arrow possibly to be more like that spot. And trust me, an eight-year-old doesn't hit ten pins. And most of our churches don't hit all the pins. Okay? So if we're looking at that as our our barometer, hey man, we ought to strike every time. Well, guess what? That's not going to happen. But I can tell you, by and large, I was able to hit that arrow. Sometimes because of the way I spun my hand or the way, you know what I'm saying, it didn't go. But I was pretty good at getting that arrow. To this day, I can pretty, I'm pretty good at hitting that arrow. My wife will tell you that I do not have any technique in bowling except for throw that ball hard. And those pins are scared to death to stand there. I mean, that is my philosophy of bowling. Just wing it, you know, and man. Ah! Could I suggest to you sometimes that's the way we do church? Just wing it hard. Just wing it hard. Okay? I'm just suggesting that it's one thing to have vision. We all need it and should have it. It's usually kind of broad. Sometimes I would even say somewhat generic. Okay? But it's those strategies that become unique to your setting that move you toward vision that allow you to accomplish the purposes of God in your local situation. And all I'm suggesting to you is that sometime when you're sitting down and you're thinking about one of your visionary points, how can I move that a little closer with some steps? What steps can I put in place that are easy, that are manageable, that I can communicate, that will allow my people to be moving toward that vision not with the goal that you're going to keep 52 guests a year, but maybe with the goal that you can keep 15% instead of 10%. With the goal that maybe you can keep 20 instead of 100, instead of 10 out of 100. You know what I'm saying? By putting those steps. And then with those steps, ask yourself, what people do I need at each one of those steps? In a smaller church setting, that can be a challenge. Sometimes those people are you and your wife, your spouse. Sometimes that's you and one other couple, you know, that's really devoted to this thing, okay? And I would just suggest that if we can do those steps, and I don't know about you, but for me, the closer the steps are together, the better. Closer those steps are, the better, okay? And uh, so, uh, but, um, any thoughts, any pushback? Questions? Would you just tell them everything A to Z, or would 
like this is what we're doing at this time so we can get to that goal? I, I think for me, and I'm going to answer differently, for me there is always going to be that broad overarching vision that is going to touch several different points of vision. But I think most of us, if we were honest, particularly if we're in a, uh, I'll say, a medium or smaller church, it's very hard for us to focus on all of those points uh, consistently all the time. So we go through series or waves. For these six months, we're going to focus on this part of the issue. For this part, we're going to focus on. And so for that season, you dig a little deeper for that particular part of the vision. This is part of our overarching vision. This is part of who we are. But for this next season, I feel God wants us to do. I feel like after prayer, here's some things I want us to massage in this area so that we can really do a better job of accomplishing this part of the vision. Sorry. What if, what if um, the leadership in your church has a lot of vision, but they don't put steps in place? How can you assist them and serve them better in helping them create those steps? Uh, leading from the second chair is always challenging. Leading from the second chairs is always difficult. Um, you know, I uh, appreciate uh, some things that we've heard uh, even uh, yesterday in our meetings. Um, I would encourage that person to, uh, number one, uh, affirm uh, what you can about what's taking place. Uh, I call it the bun or the sandwich, you know, and again, you've got that at the top that you, you want to let them know, man, I appreciate this, you're doing a real good job with this, man, I appreciate your passion, your vision. Uh, and then let them know, but sometimes I have difficulty understanding the practicality of this. You know, I, you know, help me to understand how, what steps, or how can I help you with some of these steps. I was going to say the vision is always excellent. Right. It's just like and then in that conversation, well, again, and thank you for your vision. So what I'm saying is compliment them, uh, allow them to know that you're with them, you're not trying to be a rebel or anything. You just need some clarity. You know, can you help me to understand you know, how we can help you strategically or practically get ourselves moving towards that vision. Uh, the other thing uh, is, and again, I would say this to someone in the second or a second chair or even a lead pastor, uh, you know, I believe normally we can find some good biblical illustrations and not take out of context, not take out of a scriptural boundary uh, what we're talking about today. Jesus did not feed the 5,000. The disciples did. That's right. Just say. Jesus broke the bread. He gave the food to the 12. The 12 turned around and actually distributed the food to the All I'm saying is that there's some biblical illustrations of these practical. Can you imagine? He not that he couldn't have done. He could have. Can you imagine what it looked like for him to actually hand deliver all those fish sandwiches to those people? <laughs> he could have done it. Trust me, I know he could have. But he chose. He chose. No. I want to feed the five thousand. I want to touch my city for Jesus. 
but I'm going to allow these people to get involved in the process. Some practical steps. Okay, guys, come a little closer. Now, I, I think the wonder of it was when Peter changed the job, turned around, wondering, I wonder if that's going to be the last one. And every time they turned around, <laughs> is that hidden in the rope someplace? You know. But what I'm saying is, that I think there's scriptural. You know, take Moses. What did God say to Moses? Moses, this is too many people for you to bear. You need to choose seventy men, and the spirit that's on you, I'm going to put on them. That's a practical piece. We we look at it as a spiritual. It is a spiritual piece, but it's a practical piece too. So I, I would encourage those of us that are communicating vision, if we can find practicality in the scriptures, practicality in the scriptures that will allow us to, but in this situation, leading from a second chair, affirm, uh, let them know you're supportive, and just ask them, how, how can I help you to, to better facilitate this vision? What are some practical things I can be doing or that we can be doing to see this vision just move, move farther down the road or more quickly down the road? Anyone else? Yes. The outreach becomes the enemies is there we're always outreach of that strategy, that goal in regards to people that's And again, I, for me, vision will always be a combination of growing people in their relationship with Christ and reaching people with the gospel of Christ. Uh, for me, uh, the, I had a gentleman tell me one time that we're the bride of Christ and that Jesus wants a good wife. Okay? The church should be a good wife. So the church should worship should instruct, should fellowship, and should evangelize. Good work. So for me, if I have people that are focused on outreach, but I don't feel like they're growing in the relation to Christ, then I'm probably going to take a serious period of time and say, you know, guys, I'm thrilled what we're doing. That's awesome. We're touching all these people. But... I feel like we need to grow more, so I'm going to be kind of massaging that part of our vision so that we're growing our way. And the opposite being true. If you give people an inward focus, you talk about outreach, and we don't need to do that. You know, we've been doing that, yada, yada, yada. And you might have to refocus a little bit and say, hey, guys, we're a little bit too introverted here. And Jesus loves the world. And part of that world lives outside the doors of our church. So for me, I'm as a leader, I'm always looking at where we're at in regards to that vision, and there's always going to be times, as I talked about earlier with my diet and my exercise, you know, the dietician might come up to me someday, you know, John, I told you 1,400 calories, but we're not making the progress we thought we were going to be making, so over the next month, it's going to be 1,000 calories. Oh, wow. What's he doing? What's he doing? I've got to make an adjustment, because I'm not making the progress, okay? And I think as the leader, as the pastor, you know, we always have to be willing to have our eyes observed. The men of Issachar were men that understood their times and they knew what Israel was to do. And I think for us as leaders, we, we've got to constantly manage that 
and say, okay, man, we're doing really well here. Uh, I feel like we might need to strengthen this area. So we have to kind of change our game plan temporarily, still keeping the vision. Okay, but we need to emphasize this real season because we've got to strengthen this group. Uh, we lost sight of the, the communities. We've got to refocus on the community. I don't know about answering your question. But I, I think a pastor or a leader really needs to see himself just as a coach of that team. And, uh, I love basketball. I used to love playing basketball, but that was in my younger days. Uh, I love basketball. I am really not a big uh, one-star wonder team guy. You know, LeBron's a great player, but I don't really enjoy watching the Cavaliers. Okay? I know I've got Cavalier fans here. You know, uh, again, you know, uh, uh, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, all of them, they were great players. But, you know, I like it when the team plays together. I love it when a basketball team is moving that ball around and, and there's five guys on that court that are scored 12, 14, 16 points, but there's nobody in the 30-point range. You know what I'm saying? And I think as a pastor, that's what we need to be trying to do. Yes. We need to be finding, hey, who's my best point guard here? Who's my best power forward? Who's my best center? How can I make this team flow in their giftings? And so sometimes discipleship's needed. I see some giftings, and I say, man... I really see some, so I've got to come alongside that person and disciple them and lead them so they can really become what I know God wants them to become. So discipleship's needed. Okay, and there's other times the team gets, oh man, we're really good and we're doing great, but they don't want to be So then I've got to go, hey guys, you're full of yourselves. Yeah. Okay, it's not about us. It's about a world out there that's going to hell. And we need to. Be, you understand what I'm saying? So I, I feel like sometimes as a pastor, I, I'm not really a pastor as much as I'm a coach. Because if Paul's writings are correct, every one of those people in my body have a reason for being in that body. Hands, feet, eyes. And and they're all going to serve differently, but my goal as a pastor is to get as many of those people as possible to mature the place that they can, that they can really be part of what God wants to do in that place. And that's part of that vision of growing people into Jesus.